You know, like the honeymoon is great. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, this is really hard. And so if you're in that place, just simply say, Lord, do bear the fruit you want to bear in me. And just keep going. Because, yeah, it's messy. Yes, it hurts. But God is good at heart surgery. He's been doing it for a long time. Give him the space to change you into the ways and in the ways he wants to. When a woman is ready to give birth, there are a lot of steps taken to ensure that the environment will be clean and safe. Everything is done to make sure the mother and baby are healthy. As we'll hear Pastor Daniel explain today, that's what God intended when he laid out all the steps for birthing women. Whenever blood is involved, there is a cleansing. As we'll find, the promises he lays out for us are always for our good. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Birth Rituals. So I believe that there's some people here today who you're in the midst of God circumcising your heart, and it's just hard. And I'm here to tell you it is hard. Letting God And allowing God to transform your life is not neat. It's messy. It hurts sometimes. It feels unbearable sometimes. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you, just keep on keeping on. Just keep on showing up. Because God's doing a good work, and he's cutting away what's necessary, what's unnecessary. He's saying, look, you don't need that. You've been trusting in that. That's been your crutch. That's been the thing that has gotten you through. And I, I don't want there to be an idol that can't, hold you up in the midst of storms. I need to be the rock that you build your life on. And if all of us look at our lives, the things that God has circumcised away is almost always those idols that we depend on that can never really take care of what it needs to. For some of us, it's status, relationship status, a promotion, um, being accepted in a certain way that we say, if I get accepted in this way, then I'm there. None of those things can fulfill your soul. But we try. Our hearts are idol factories. And we're all finding ways to prop up our identity. But the problem is when we prop up on our identity on something other than who God is for us in Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that will never hold at when push comes to shove. They never hold. You know why? Because they weren't designed to hold. They might be nice add-ons to life. They might make life more enjoyable. And they're fun. and, And we like them. Like relationships aren't bad. Succeeding in your career is not bad but it was never meant to be the thing that's the foundation and anchor for your soul. And so when you try and make those things the anchor for your soul, you always end up coming up short. And so God loves you enough to say, look, I'm going to cut some of that stuff out. I'm going to cut that stuff out so that I can truly anchor who you are in me. And that's the circumcision of the heart. So, but it's interesting that, that the mother is readmitted into the people of God for the circumcision of her son, because that was a a family and a community ritual that they're saying, look, this is a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, part of the covenants and promises of God. Now, it's amazing how in eight verses, there's so much stuff in here. 
Now think about this. By the time you fast forward to Jesus's day, one of the biggest issues that John the Baptist and Jesus and his disciples had with the children of Israel, they believed because they were descendant of Abraham, they were automatically part of the kingdom. Now think about that. Remember, the children of Israel became just as spiritually entitled as American culture is today. They said, because I am a descendant of Abraham, I am part of the family of God. And things like, you know, when they told Jesus on the triumphal entry, they said, he's coming in, and they, and they said, teach or rebuke your disciples because they're saying he's the Messiah. He's like, if, look, if they don't do it, the rocks are going to cry out. John the Baptist says, look, God can raise up children of Abraham from these stones. Because it has nothing to do with ethnicity. It doesn't have anything to do with the circumcision of the foreskin. It has to do with the circumcision of the heart. And I think the application for you and I is we need to avail ourselves. We need to say, God, I want you to change my heart. Change my heart. It's a simple prayer, isn't it? But here's what I'll tell you. If you pray, God, change my heart, he will. And sometimes that's going to hurt. Because God's reorientation of your life and my life is not easy. When your whole life, your identity is built on something, God says, look, that's not going to hold. We're going to change the way you, that's not always going to be easy. In the beginning, it's exciting. You know, like the honeymoon is great. And then all of a sudden, you're like, man, this is really hard. And so if you're in that place, just simply say, Lord, do bear the fruit you want to bear in me. And just keep going. Because, yeah, it's messy. Yes, it hurts. But God is good at heart surgery. He's been doing it for a long time. Give him the space to change you into the ways and in the ways he wants to. So you have the circumcision. Now, in verse 4, we have this continued uncleanness. Because look what it says. She shall then continue in the blood of her purification for 33 days. She shall not touch any hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled. Now, I want you to notice there's absolutely no mention that the child is impure. It's all about the mother's impurity. Because, and we said it already, there's a flow of blood for women. You got to think that after this, the one week, then you have 33 more days. So it ends up being a 40-day cycle, 40 days. So it's, you know, for us, it's about a month and a week and some change. So we're talking about six weeks, which, again, I remember when Lynn had a baby, our first and second, I was like, she's probably going to have a discharge of blood for about six weeks. That's about what it's going to last for. And so, again, her uncleanness now is linked to the fact that she has a continual discharge of blood for a certain amount of time. And because God is concerned with cleanliness and the mother's health, he says, listen, I do not want her to even touch any of the hallowed things, any of the sacred things. I don't want her to come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled. So does that make sense? So in a lot of ways, God is looking out for the continued health of the children of Israel. He's looking out for the spread of disease, all of these things. Now, let's not miss maybe what is the most simple interpretation. He's given mom six weeks off from having to be seen in public. Now, you new moms, you know exactly. You're like, man, God is good. 
Because you know what it's like when you venture out with your child and, and that new baby, you're not sleeping. Everything's kind of all over the place. You feel all over, you don't feel. And God is saying, look, you don't have to go into the sanctuary. You have to stay away from the crowds. You know, and, and it's like, you could say, oh, well, God's mean. He doesn't like women. Or, or maybe you could say, God's just really looking out for a sister. Because you, moms, you're like, man, I like it when I have a baby and then my mom comes in or my mother-in-law comes in. Maybe you don't like when the mother-in-law comes in, but you know what I mean? It's like they come in and they're taking care of things. They're helping you. You don't have to entertain. You're not expected to be everywhere. You can just focus on getting comfortable with baby. So we can either say that this is all some negative stuff. You can say God is just into self-care a little bit. He actually cares about moms. He knows it's going to take some time to get into a rhythm of not sleeping and nursing and dirty diapers and crying and colicky and all these things. And God's saying, look, for six weeks, you don't have to be a part of the normal social rhythms so that you can focus on your home and your baby. I don't think that's a far stretch. But oftentimes when I hear people talking about these verses, they never even think about like the most basic parts of God's paternal concern for a new mom, a new family, and all the dynamics that come with it. Now, in verse 5, but if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean two weeks in her customary impurity, and she shall continue in the blood of her purifications 66 days. Remember I told you in the beginning that the purification for a daughter being born is double. You have two weeks for the mom and then 66 days, which ends up, you put those two things together, you have 80 days. So now you're talking more like 11 and some change weeks. Now, why is this the case? Why now is it doubled? Now, I'm gonna give you the philosophical reason and I'm gonna give you the health reason. The philosophical, remember I said that the reason, one of the reasons a woman is considered customarily impure when she has her normal menstrual cycle is because there's the potentiality for life that's lost. She just gave birth to a daughter who is also gonna have a whole life of menstrual cycles where that potentiality, she just gave birth to another person who's gonna have continual potentiality once she becomes the age of conception, who's gonna have a monthly flow of blood if she does not conceive. So when a woman, when a, when a baby girl is born, there is also everything that an adult woman is going to experience is contained in that little baby girl. And so, because God loves life, and a woman gave birth to God's designed giver of human life, the mom, God's taking that into account in the mother and then in the child's time of purification. Is that a crazy stretch? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because that little child, every 28 days, or whatever their cycle is, is gonna have the same cycle that their mom has been having. And so, in the birth of a, a, a daughter, you have the birth of another life giver. So it's interesting that we live in a world where there is uh, female infanticide in some cultures. And this is almost like the, the valuing, the, the heralding, the championing of a young God. Not a demeaning. Because God chose that women should be the givers of life in the human species. So... Some scholars, rabbis, all say that the reason it's doubled, the reason the time is doubled, is because of the potentiality for life that is bound up in 
a baby girl. Now, another reason. Why, why the extended time away? Stereotypically, baby girls are about two-thirds of the weight of baby boys. So baby girls are stereotypically smaller than baby boys in weight. Obadiah, when he was born, seven pounds, four ounces. Maranatha was five pounds and ten ounces. And so when a baby girl is born, in order for her to get stronger, it will take a little longer because she's born with less weight. So some scholars would say the reason that God did this is to give the baby girl a little bit more time to become a little bit more hardy so that when she goes back into the public square, she won't have the same potential of getting contracting diseases, spreading diseases, and all those things. So what's interesting with that is that you have some very logical, very normal, very kind reasoning. Now, you could also, if you choose to interpret it, say the reason God does it is because God doesn't like women. Some people want to do that. They say, it's double because God doesn't like women, and that's the problem. And if you want to find that in there, I mean, you can. Like, like, I, like I can't really argue it. It's like, okay, that's, that's what you got there. So, so that's one way to interpret it. But you have, there's a number of ways, there's a number of ways to get it. But with all this being said, I don't want to dismiss the, that this was in a patriarchal society. I don't want to miss those things in the midst of the discussion. But I think maybe the greater application to the distinction is that guys and girls are just different. Not, it doesn't say one's better. They're just different. And I can give you like the birds and the bees talk, like the first grade, like the man parts are these and the female parts are these. And, but we all know that. We all, we all understand. God created the male and female, both equal in his eyes, both image bearers, but unique from one another. Again, we talked about this on Sunday. God likes distinctions. We talked about it last Wednesday. God likes distinctions. God's not afraid of saying women are women and men are men. And God designed women to be unique from men. And men to be unique from women. And although we live in a culture that wants to say everything's the same, it's not the same. It's not the same. We might want to pretend that it is. Like, I always use the same example because it's classic. Like, I'll never forget, we, Lynn and I, we moved into a place and I hung a mirror on the wall. Now, I'm not the handiest guy in the world. I love teaching the word of God. There's a lot of, I like playing the bass. He put me with a hammer and I got to be careful because I'm going to end up breaking the thumb. And I'm just not handy that way. And so sure enough, I hung the mirror on the wall. And sure enough, we go to bed that night and all of a sudden, about two in the morning, boom. And what happened? Lynn hit me. Someone's in the house. Go check it out. Now, I could pull a very 21st century Western thing and say, listen, man, the sexes are equal. You go check it out. Now, I could do that. And all, all the ladies are like, you're a lousy husband if you do that, right? It's the job of the husband to get up and go downstairs. And, I, and I'm walking downstairs. I'm like, man, I hung a mirror. I know exactly what this is. Show up the mirror sitting on the floor and, you know? But like... What's interesting is I didn't wake up and hit her and say, someone's in the house, go check it out. I didn't do that. And I get, I bet in, in my house and I bet in your house, 99 times out of 100, if there's a bang and, and you're a husband and a wife, the wife's going to hit the husband and say, you better go check out what that is. And the guy, even if he's scared out of his mind, is going to get up and go downstairs. Now, why is that? Because women have been socialized 
that way? Because men have been socialized that way? No. It's not because of so. It's because we're bred that way. God made us that way. Men, and all you guys know, no matter how tired you are, when you go down there, you walk up that stairs a little bit different than you walk down because you felt like Braveheart for your wife. You come on back, you're like, yeah, you got a little swagger. You're like, yeah, it's nothing. Don't worry. Don't worry. You know, even though you were freaked out walking down the stairs, you're coming back. You're like, yeah. Because there's something that feels so right in the heart of a man about looking out for his woman. And God designed us that way. And it's amazing. I remember when I got married. I'll never, Lynn moved in. I'll stop telling stories. I remember Lynn moved in to the, to the apartment that I was living in. And sure enough, I came home from work like a week later, and the whole place was redecorated. And I thought I was doing a good job. Like, you know, I, I framed some pictures before she moved in. Like, I was like trying to take care of business, but I came in the bathroom, and there's this little cup with a flower in it. And he's like fake clear stones in it. I was like, where'd you get those rocks from? I didn't realize you buy those things at the store. Like, they're like decorative. Now, I don't know where she learned that stuff from. I don't know if like when you're, when you're like engaged, the women sit you down, okay, this is how you make things look nice. But what I do know is that she was not having anything that was in my house. Like, none of it was acceptable. None of it. Like, literally every piece of furniture was gone. Now, now I'll be honest, it looks really nice, but I don't know where she gets this stuff from. Like, I don't know how you realize that those colors go together. I don't get it. Men and women are just different. And the, the longer our culture tries to pretend like they're not different, the more absurd it gets. And I think we should just embrace the fact that God created the male and female. They are both unique, and God likes it that way, and God doesn't value one more than the other. God values them both the same. Both male and female are image bearers of the almighty God and fatally flawed, both of them. And you wives, you need to give your husbands the room to be men. And men, you need to give your wives room to be women. And you know what? It's like, listen, as a pastor, as a human being, I realize marriage is hard because women want their husbands to respond like women and men want their wives to respond like men. And guess what happens? It never happens. It doesn't. Lynn's like, are are you going to cry? I'm like, probably not right now. (laughs) And I'm thinking, are you going to stop crying? And probably not right now. And guess what? It's okay. It's okay. Because God's, the almighty God is unity and diversity. The Father, Son, and the Spirit, they are one God and three persons. They are absolutely unified and yet absolutely diverse from one another. And God created the union between men and women to be unity and diversity. So rather than trying to pasteurize the other sex, we should say, look, God wants us to be completely diverse, but yet totally unified. And and if not anything else, there are distinctions that God makes between men and women, and it's okay. So now I know you guys are here in church, so I'm expecting that you guys are like, okay, we're, we're going to take care of that. But we have to be careful because our culture is literally trying to try and pretend like there's no distinctions. And there are tons of distinctions. And it's okay that there's distinctions. It's not wrong. It's the way God meant it. And when we try and be inhuman, then we have much bigger problems. Now, 
Look at what happens in verse 6. When the days of her purification are fulfilled, so that's either 40 days for a male child or 80 days for a female child, whether for a son or a daughter, she shall bring to the priest a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her that and she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who has born a male or a female. And verse 8, and if she is not able to bring a lamb, then she may bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a burnt offering and the other as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. So now, after this time of purification, as we've seen for 11 chapters, there is an offering, a burnt offering and a sin offering. Saying, okay, God, I'm going to give you an offering as, a, as gratitude, and I'm also going to ask for an atoning offering. Because of this flow of blood, there needs to be the cleansing, because the life is in the blood, and so there's a cleansing. And so we have, in verses 6 and 7, the normal offering, and then in notice in verse 8, that if someone can't afford the lamb, they can bring two turtle doves. Now, why is that important? Why is this important? Because in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 24, when Jesus was born, what was the offering? Two turtle doves. So God always makes provision for those who do not have the means to be able to do the normal offering. And the reason I bring this up is because we need to remember once again that when God entered his own creation, he did not do it in the most lush and plush of circumstances. Jesus's family, in effect, were impoverished in that culture. They were impoverished. When God decided to enter humanity, he did not find the richest, the best looking, the smartest, the most with the best pedigree. He chose a man who was betrothed to a, wo a woman, and they were poor. Now, with that being the case, that is not saying that we should exalt poverty, but we shouldn't demean it either, because the true poverty is not in the things we have, but in the disposition of our hearts. If you're here today, and you feel like you're not the smartest, best at your job, you're not the prettiest, you don't have the amount of stuff your neighbor has, listen, then you... If your heart is humble before the Lord, then God wants to use you. The problem for most people is we equate material success with God's pleasure. And oftentimes, God gives us exactly what we want as a way of judgment. He did it with the children. Remember that they wanted quail? They were complaining, and God, we're going to see it in, in about 20 chapters. God literally sends them so much quail that they choke on. They weren't content with God's miraculous manna from heaven. They wanted some bird. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel took us through the rituals that women went through after giving birth. Without considering the context of time and place, it would be easy to misinterpret God's intention. But as we found, his concern is always for our physical and spiritual health. Giving is one of the central themes in the Bible. 
Believe it or not, it's the main subject of nearly half of the parables that Jesus taught. Like prayer and serving others, money is an outlet of spiritual power. When it's released into ministry, God does amazing things with it. To understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must also understand what it means to be a giver. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly supporter of Jesus is Real Radio. For more information, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue in this series as he tackles the part of Leviticus that addresses imperfections. Once again, God's provision for His people will be evident. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Cleansing. Until then, may God bless. My life is no typical.